past the draft. We're past the All-Star break. We're past the halfway point of the minor league baseball season. And I thought this would be a good time to kind of sit down and look at the promotions that have been happening, not only from the AAA level up to the major leagues, which is the one that most people are probably paying attention to just because it's the players that we're able to see. The Henry Davises, the Nick Gonzalez, the Carmen Majinskis, Jared Triolo, towards the beginning of the season, you know, a Tuca Pita Marcano. But there have been promotions throughout the entire Pirates minor league organization. Ben Sherrington back at the beginning of June, kind of hinted at the fact that there were going to be some promotions happening, you know, from Bradenton the whole way up to Pittsburgh. It wasn't just going to be the ones that we were going to be able to see. Um, In previous years, it's kind of been, you know, around this point in time in July where a lot of these promotions take place, and I always talk about the trickle-down and trip and trickle-up effect, even though stuff really can't trickle up, but it does in, you know, an organization from level to level uh, throughout, you know, the Pirates farm system. So for a player to, you know, receive a promotion, there either has to be a promotion in front of them Or it could also be, you know, a player being injured and then going to go on a rehab assignment, which is usually at a lower level. Or unfortunately, in some cases, it would be um, a player demotion. And that's stuff that happens a lot of the times uh, throughout the minor league season. You'll even see like very random uh, promotions where there would be a hole at, say, even double A or triple A where... Maybe there's not a player at the lower level who is ready to move up. So they will, you know, sometimes we've seen a prospect jump from maybe high A uh, to triple A. And it's almost like filling in on that roster. And if you look at a minor league roster at times, it can be very confusing because they'll have players listed on the AAA roster. And it'll look like they are either like on the injured list or developmental list. You know, at that level, I I think I even saw like maybe like a Solomon McGuire. Um, I saw him from time to time on the AAA roster and it would be either an injury or developmental. And it's more of, you know, the number of players that you're you're allowed um, active and and on each roster. And and kind of it's almost like when people say it's it's that paper move. It's it's not really that the guy is, you know, rehabbing or hanging out in Indianapolis. He may be on their roster, but could still also still be down um, at Pirate City. It's not like, you know, a roster move that we just saw. And I know this isn't, you know, a minor league move, but a Rowanzi Contreras uh, option down uh, to the FCL. Like, no, he's actually, you know, in the FCL. I guess they could have in some ways, you know, depending on the rules and everything, they possibly could have put him on a developmental list. 
and done sort of the same thing. But, I mean, in optioning him down there, it's obviously going to open a roster spot uh, in Indianapolis, possibly for a promotion that they were looking at. And this is some stuff that, that we could get into later on in this. But I, I kind of want to talk about, and we're going to go from the lowest levels to the highest levels, obviously, you know, coming up with the players that were promoted from Indianapolis to Pittsburgh, to PNC Park, and how they've performed. Some of them is a small sample size. Some of them is, you know, a larger sample size. But for me, the thing that gets to me is that I always talk about, like, I I try to put that, you know, small sample size, you know, on hold to a degree. But, I mean, in talking with my good friend, Gary Morgan, does the uh, Pirates Fan Forum podcast over at DK Pittsburgh Sports. Um, Also, my uh, writing partner, co-editor at Inside the Bucks Basement. Uh, We talk about how, you know, you may be looking for a player, especially, you know, either in a move from double A to triple A or a move from the triple A level Indianapolis to the major leagues. You're looking for them to put together, you know, a couple solid weeks. And, And that may not be, you know, a ton of plate appearances, maybe at most like 50 plate appearances, which is an extremely small sample size but it's more on you know them watching the player and and seeing them check those boxes I don't think that their boxes are you know this player needs to reach this certain plateau of an OPS but it may be you know they need to be having you know better plate appearances they need to be taking more pitches they need to not be striking out as much you know pitch recognition or if it would be for a pitcher that you know we want to see them you know work on this certain pitch I know it was uh, talked about I believe it might have been Dan Kovakovic uh, was talking about how I believe it was maybe Jamison Tyon I think that he mentioned that you know he was getting so many players out throughout the minor leagues with his curveball, uh, but the Pirates noticed that this would be a pitch that could be hit fairly well, you know, at the major league level. So it was like kind of checking it off there that you know you can't throw this curveball to get people out. We want to see, you know, other pitches that you have. So maybe some of this stuff it may not all be in stats. Um, they just may want to see how a player approaches, you know, a certain, you know, hitter from, you know, the left side of the plate, the right side of the plate, want to see him be able to use certain pitch sequencing uh, to get through that, you know, at bat with that player. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely, we're going to be talking a lot of stats on this one. I was wondering whether or not I should do, you know, just the audio version. If I was going to do the video version, I had the video version set up, but I'm pretty sure you guys, I mean, you're going to be sitting here listening to me, you know, ramble off a bunch of stats, talking about a bunch of players, but also, you know, would it be, (laughs) would it be good for you to also then, you know, watch and listen to me read off all of these players while, you know, I had made notes on a bunch of them and, and just, jotted down a bunch of stuff so it would be pretty much watching me you know read off my my giant yellow notepad and yes if anybody follows me or listens to me enough or or reads my stuff I, I do write a lot of stuff down 
Um, it's just something I've been doing since college where if I want something to, to be fully ingested into my brain and, and to take it all in, I actually have to like physically write it down. And then it's something that I can, you know, work through better erasing stuff, uh, and go through my thought process in that way. So this is going to be, like I said, a lot of, a lot of stats, but it's going to be talking about a lot of players that, you know, we're probably, you know, very interested in, and it's players that have received promotions so far this year. And we're going to be starting off down in Bradenton, and it's basically, you know, players that have moved from the Florida Complex League in Bradenton uh, to low A Bradenton Marauders. And there have been, you know, three pretty big moves that have occurred, you know, prior to, you know, the All-Star break. Uh, the biggest one for me is Jordani De Los Santos. Uh, signed for $1.2 million as an international signing, still only 18 years old. Uh, in the FCL, he had a slash line of 328, 397, 463. That works out to an 860 OPS. He had a home run, seven walks, 11 Ks, and that was only in 78 plate appearances. But it kind of does seem that, you know, Ben Charrington and, and John Baker do have some of these, like, whether they be benchmarks uh, for certain players uh, to get a certain amount of plate appearances at a level. Usually it's approaching, like, it's like a cutoff of, like, 100 plate appearances, 200 plate appearances, 300 plate appearances to kind of see, you know, if, you know, they did poorly for the first 100 plate appearances, if they can get a, a good 100 plate appearances under their belt or possibly 200 plate appearances under their belt to see if, you know, if the the first struggle for the 100 plate appearance is real, if the, you know, flashes they're showing in the, the second 100 plate appearances and then where it kind of works out in the middle. Uh, De Los Santos only has 21 plate appearances with Bradenton currently, and things have not gone great for him uh, to this point. Slashing 150, 191, 150 for a 341 OPS. Uh, no homers, but if you go back and listen to one of the previous episodes I had done on what I look for within each of the levels, and the one thing that I do look for is especially you know, for these younger players, is the number of strikeouts, the number of walks that they have. Are they seeing pitches? Are they swinging at pitches? You know, chase rates, stuff outside the zone. So that will definitely show you a lot. In those 21 plate appearances, Jordani De Los Santos has 13 strikeouts in one walk. So that, to me, just kind of sticks out that he's you know getting that time to adjust to this. So I, you know didn't get a chance to watch a lot of the games that he's been in because it wasn't being streamed. So I'm wondering if, you know, if these are called strikes, if these are things that he's chasing. So it's definitely going to be something uh, that I'm going to be watching. Uh, another promotion that was made, uh, Lonnie White Jr., former second-round pick in 2021. And to this point in his professional career through the FCL and now Bradenton has only played in 32 games due to injuries. Uh, came out in the FCL. He had 76 plate appearances, slashing 318, 434, 444 for an 879 OPS, one home run, 11 walks, 19 Ks. Uh, with his jump to Bradenton, only an 18 plate appearances, you know, not going to look so great either. It's a 133, 278, 133. 
That's a 4-11 OPS. No home runs there yet. Three walks and eight Ks. So once again, the Ks a little bit higher than the walks. I would like to see him also be a little bit more patient to the plate and hopefully get to watch some of these games on the streaming. But we're going to see a player here, and yes, this is an older player, Lonnie White Jr., only 20, Jordani De Los Santos, only 18 years old. Oh, Josiah Seitler, he was a 15th-round pick in 2022, had not seen him um, until this year, and, and we've still only seen him you know, for 27 plate appearances in the FCL and 39 plate appearances in Bradenton. In the FCL, he was slashing 227, 370, 364. That's a 734 OPS. One home run, four walks, three Ks. So, you know, kind of seeing the ball there thinking, you know what, we just want to see a couple of bats down there um, in Bradenton. I mean, in the FCL, and then we'll bump him up to Bradenton. Um, and in his 39 plate appearances, he's slashing 500, 487, 853. That's a 1.340 OPS. I mean, that's pretty huge. Um, and we did see him have those three home runs. And it's not like this player was, you know, kind of out of the middle of nowhere. He did play for South Carolina for the Gamecocks. Uh, he batted uh, 300 with an OPS north of 1,000, 15 home runs. But he does have that problem with uh, strikeouts to walks, more of like that power hitter type guy. In the, his last season, and it was his senior season, he did play the four full seasons at South Carolina. He did have 42 strikeouts. 19 base on balls. So this is a guy that, you know, kind of could be maybe one of those streaky power hitters. Wouldn't see the average maybe sticking up to where it's at right now, obviously. Uh, but the OPS, but he's one that I could even see moving up, you know, fairly quickly uh, within this system because he is 23 years old to see, you know, how he would adjust to the pitching at the high A level and then maybe start out next year in double A if he continues to progress. Uh, moving up to Greensboro, the one thing I did notice, uh, I had seen this out there. I knew he was on the seven-day IL, but moved to the 60-day IL. Uh, Hudson Head, he was a guy that I really wanted to you know, see get through a full season, see what he you know could do. Had been struggling. Uh, he, him and I, but it was Connor Scott, who's up in Altoona, were two guys that I said they were kind of from a similar vein, uh, but he moves to the 60-day IL. Uh, the first player we're going to look at here, and, and for Greensboro, this is all pitchers. Um, and Ryan Harbin had been pitching pretty much lights out, started to get on some people's radar, 21 years old, down in Bradenton. Um, had a .83 ERA, a 1.041 whip. Uh, the whip is something that, you know, when we're talking about pitchers, you'll know with me, that's one of the first things I look at is, is what is the whip uh, for a reliever slash closer. I mean, that's getting towards, you know, the level that you would want uh, to getting into the elite range of, you know, being down below the, the 1.00 mark. Uh, 44 Ks. 15 walks in 32.2 innings, only has one uh, inning in Greensboro so far, a terrible inning, 36 ERA, his whip is 5.000, no case, two walks, I'd just like to see him, you know, obviously he's going to get, you know, his. that was just getting his feet wet, and one good outing will, you know, kind of bring that back into focus. But, you know, just definitely wasn't a great outing for him. Uh, the next one is J.P. Massey. J.P. Massey, you'll, you'll probably see some of the highlights, uh, was just in the Futures game 
uh, along with Andy Rodriguez. Uh, he's what I've called, I've written about him, talked about him. He's a project. He was a project when he was at Minnesota. Uh, he had entered the transfer portal when he was you know, drafted by the Pirates. It came in to Bradenton this year. Uh, in f- almost, you know, just over 49 innings, 328 ERA. But once again, looking back to that whip, it's the 1.318. And that would be, you know, a decent whip for, you know, somebody who would be, you know, the number four or five in a starting rotation. Definitely, you know, a little bit of control issues. He's got the 24 walks, 57 strikeouts. Um, in Greensboro, he's got 13.1 innings under his belt, and he has a 4.05 ERA. But for me, like I said, looking back to the whip, it's a 1.425, 7 Ks, 10 base on balls. That's where that whip is going to come in. Uh, you put guys on base, and you know there's a higher potential for them to score. Uh, the last guy we're going to talk about, I, I had seen out there. You know, earlier in the season when he was performing well in Bradenton, uh, Thomas Harrington, comp round uh, A pick, so technically a first round pick from this past season, Campbell University, shout out to the, the Fighting Camels, uh, and he you know, was pitching fairly well. And, and we could just go with the whip first here because, I mean, a 277 ERA is going to tell you he's he's either getting, you know, maybe lucky or whatever. But, no, his whip was a 1.103, uh, 40 Ks, 12 walks in, you know, right around 39 innings pitched. He's gotten 31 innings, uh, a little bit over that in Greensboro so far. The whip is something that, you know, has been a little bit concerning, a one point. 4-2-1 whip. The one thing I will say is that, you know, he has 38 strikeouts in 31 innings where he had, you know, 40 strikeouts in 39 innings in Bradenton. Uh, does have almost as many walks, though, with the nine base on balls, giving up some hits. But Greensboro is one of those weird places, not only the home ballpark, but also, you know, the places that they play within uh within the South Atlantic League, because if you go back and listen to one of the previous podcasts I did about playing within a bandbox and did some of the dimensions of some of the other stadiums within, you know, the South Atlantic League, and there were some that were extremely similar to the bandbox that they play in in Greensboro. So um, a lot of times there, like I said, I'm just looking at the whip just because, I mean, that's something I feel like that you can control a little bit more. You're not putting guys on base. I'd like to see that come down a little bit, but we got to move along here. We're only up to Altoona. Uh, a player that's performed, you know, very well in his small sample size in Altoona, Braxton Ashcraft, I uh, Second round pick in 2018, dealt with some injuries throughout his career, uh, pitched in Greensboro for 26.1 innings, had a 1.29 whip, 29 Ks, five base on balls. And for people that still want the ERA, it was 376, so very solid. Uh, you're going to like the ERA in Altoona. It's a 0.00 in seven innings. But realistically, I'm looking at the 0.714 whip, seven Ks, only one walk in that seven innings. Guy that uh, big talk on, you know, on tw- on the Twitterverse today because he, with the draft and stuff, was bumped out of Baseball America's Top 100, uh, Anthony Solomito. 
in Greensboro. <laughs> Dude, 58.2 innings, 1.159 whip, 68 Ks, 25 base on balls for a 230 ERA. I mean, it's just gotten better in the 19 innings that he's pitched in Altoona. A, a 0.947 whip, 21 Ks, only four walks, and a 237 ERA. 20 years old, have just seen him, you know, excel at that point in time. And the, the two hitters that is one is Jackson Glenn, uh, pretty much one of those senior signees uh, from last year, 25 years old. Uh, in Greensboro, I had written about him a few times. Just basically said, I just want to see him get bumped up to Altoona, see what he can do. Uh, he had played, uh, he had played in Greensboro, I believe, for most of the season last year as well. Uh, so uh, he was batting two ninety nine, uh, three eighty on base percentage, slugging four seventy five for an eight fifty four OPS. Like I said, that's that's something within Greensboro. Wanted to see how that would you know translate. Only had 25 Ks, 17 base on balls, six home runs. Uh, so far in Altoona, only 25 plate appearances, slashing 318, 400, 455 for an 855 OPS, five Ks, three base on balls. Doesn't have a ton of power, but is is a good hit tool kind of guy. Is extremely. You know, he's old because even in being bumped up, he's he's old for the level. Um, probably around a year to a year and a half older than the average player um, at Double A. So just kind of one to see what he could do up there if this continues. I mean, I, I'm not saying you know this is like a second. This is not saying that this is like a player uh, for the future for the Pirates. But you always need those role players. So when these guys, if they can work out, I mean that's a huge uh, bump. Uh, within the draft class when, you know, it's not a guy that you're expecting a ton from. Um, Indianapolis, uh, we saw, you know, one quick promotion um, in Kyle Nicholas. I, I don't want to say super quick because he did pitch 53.2 innings. Uh, but with some of the injuries, some of the, I guess, struggles at the major league level, the, some of, you know, there's been some promotions uh, quicker than we may have expected. Kyle Nicholas was a guy that I thought may start um, his year in Indy, uh, didn't, and you know has not pitched as well as he pitched during the previous season. And Altoona, a 1.472 whip, uh, 63 strikeouts, 23 base on balls in those 53.2 innings, a four. You know, 36 ERA. That's looking at a guy who is borderline, like not in your starting rotation anymore. Things haven't gotten any better in Indy. 13.2 innings pitched, a 2.341 whip. That's just not even something that you could even register. 11.20 ERA. Just, just very, you know, struggling immensely up there. And then the one that happened, you know, pretty soon after that in Jared Jones. And that's only after 44.1 innings in in Double A in his career. I mean, Kyle Nicholas had been in Double A. Jared Jones, only 21 years old, uh, had a 1.083 WHIP, 70. Uh, sorry about that. 47 Ks, 16 base on balls uh, during his time in Altoona. I, the ERA in, in, in Indy is, I know, where people, most people's eyes are going to go. That's a 5.12 ERA, but I'm looking at the 1.293 whip, the 24 Ks in the 19.1 the innings, the eight base on balls. The last time they brought him out, they put in an opener for him, and I think he pitched like the four innings after that. Um, so, 
it's just something to kind of keep an eye on, and especially you know with this next guy in Leover Pagero. Leover Pagero um, was in Altoona again. He's been on the forty man for the second year this year. Uh, he's slashing in Altoona. He was hitting better, uh, which actually brought a lot of these numbers up. Uh, 260, 333, 453 slash line works out to a 786 OPS. Uh, the 11 home runs. This is, you know, 58 Ks, 32 base on balls, you know, walking a decent amount. Um, and that was in 318 plate appearances. And that's where I kind of talk about like that, you know, looking for those benchmarks to see if, you know, what he was doing was, you know, it wasn't just like a hot streak, but it was something he could continually do. And he was able to bring that up. Only 21 plate appearances in Indy so far. 222, 333, 333, a 667 OPS, two Ks, three base on balls. So, I mean, we're going to have to get, you know, a larger sample size with him on that. Um, and now moving up to Pittsburgh, and, and everybody probably knows a decent amount of these stats. Uh, one of the first guys that moved up was Tucapito Marcano. He only had 48 plate appearances in Indy, uh, had a, a 1,147 OPS, hit a home run, Eight Ks, three base on balls. Um, in Pittsburgh, he's gotten you know that 198 plate appearances. He's he's getting up towards that 200 mark, where you can kind of see you know what kind of player he's become. He only has a 663 OPS, three home runs, you know 30 Ks, 10 base on balls. Uh, with some players, you know, either coming back from injury, maybe seeing a different another player move up, different things like that. Marcano is a guy that you know you could maybe see them you know. Give him, you know, a little bit more seasoning in AAA or something, get it back on track. I mean, especially when you have a player like Nick Gonzalez who's recently come up. He had 262 plate appearances in AAA, 820 OPS. And for him, I mean, the big thing is is the Ks. It's the 75 Ks, the 35 base on balls. And since he's been up here in Pittsburgh, only 58 plate appearances. Uh, but the one thing that sticks out to me, just once again, I know he has the 810 OPS, but he has 16 strikeouts and only two walks. I look and he has a 310, you know, on base percentage. That's that's not ideal. It's it's going to be hard to maintain um, an OPS that's going to be above league average if you don't, you know, move that, you know, OPS. If you don't move that on base percentage, you know, more towards like the 340, 350. I mean, it's it's not terrible, but it's also not great. Uh, Henry Davis uh, hitting a slump here in Pittsburgh, uh, 657 OPS. For him, 19 Ks and seven base on balls, one home runs in, in 81 plate appearances. And to me, that's something that I'm hoping that corrects itself because, I mean, in Altoona, 35 Ks to 32 base on balls, 10 home runs. Even in his short time in Indian, 45 plate appearances, it was a little bit more even with the 11 Ks, the eight base on balls. Uh, and then the last player here uh, that's at Pittsburgh right now, and that would be Jared Triolo. Uh, Jared Triolo's he's a decent hitter, he's, and he's not going to maybe hit for power this year. Uh, we know he's dealing with the handmade injury. For any player that deals with a handmade injury, uh, they are going to have their power maybe a little bit zapped for you know at least that season. I and mean, we've seen it even uh, with a player that is is still struggling. But we saw some power develop in a Matt Frazier. That the handmade bone kind of kind of zaps your power. And, and Jared Triolo didn't have a ton of power to begin with, but did have an 839 OPS. 
um, in 159 plate appearances in Indy, but is still looking for his ho first home run of the season. Uh, does not have one in Pittsburgh yet. Uh, the big thing for him um, is that he does have the 364 on base percentage, leading to you know the 714 OPS, playing good defense. But you know before we got out of here, um, and before we get to the beer reviews, I did want to talk about uh, th four guys that are the next men up, um, and the next man up. Uh, Especially, you know, pitching-wise, uh, we already talked about Jared Jones, but obviously in Quinn Priester. Quinn Priester for the season has a 1.362 whip. He has 84 strikeouts and 35 walks and 86.2 innings. It's a 4.36 ERA. I, I really don't look at that too much in this. And I had to, like, I'm trying to people saying, you know, if he's getting a small sample size, like how, how well has he done? And I actually had to bring it down to his last seven starts. It brings him down to a 1.26 whip, uh, 37 strikeouts, 15 walks, and 44.1 innings. Uh, but then I did look, and I'm like, I mean, how many earned runs did he have in his last starts? Um, in, his, in those seven starts, and going back from his most recent uh, to, you know, uh, the, uh, the the one that would be seven starts ago, it's two earned run, four earned run, zero earned runs, six earned runs, one earned run, four earned runs, zero earned runs. So, I mean, it's it's been not extremely consistent. I do like that, you know, the whip is down. Uh, the whip hasn't really been bad for the entire season, but, you know, would like to see a, a few good outings put together where, you know, I wouldn't say look dominant because at times he's he's looking for contact. He's, he's looking to get out of innings and not putting guys away, uh, throwing the sinker early on in counts. So I want to see that work out a little bit more. And we'll stick on the pitching end here for a second. Colin Selby. Uh, Colin Selby added to the 40-man uh, this past offseason, a 3.86 ERA, a 1.329 WHIP. Uh, that's 30 Ks, 15 base on balls, and 23.1 innings. Uh, not great for a reliever to have have a WHIP that high. Uh, was on the injured list for about a month. Uh, since coming back, I mean, things pretty much. I mean, it just looks about the same. A 3.37 ERA, a 1.37 WHIP, 8 Ks and four base on balls in eight innings. So less strikeouts, more walks, uh, putting around the same amount of guys, you know, on base, which isn't ideal. Um, and everybody's, you know, one of their favorite prospects coming up here in Andy Rodriguez. Andy Rodriguez for the season um, has a 732 OPS. Definitely being very patient at the plate. He's got the 342 on base percentage, 46 Ks to 34 base on balls, five home runs, and that's over 304 plate appearances. And to be able to get, once again, that small sample size, his, you know, numbers to, to match where you probably want them to be, you had to go back 77 plate appearances. That's an 811 OPS, 9Ks, 11 base on balls. Um, so he is probably progressing towards, you know, getting that promotion at some point in time here. But a guy that may get the promotion before him, when I was talking about a player like Tucapito Marcano struggling, it's Alika Williams. Alika Williams acquired from the Rays, Robert Stevenson trade. Everybody will talk about how well Robert Stevenson's doing down in Tampa. And, and I mean, some of us called that in at least a small sample size that he you know would be able to perform down there but just to kind of check his numbers he had 175 plate appearances in double a for tampa he had a 731 ops you know five home runs uh 34 strikeouts 15 walks 
in 110 plate appearances, which I'm talking about, you know, you're getting that over that that threshold of 100 plate appearances. He has an 802 OPS, has raised his on-base percentage from 314 to 355. And the big thing here is that he has 13 Ks and 11 base on balls. And I know that this was a lot of information to take in and it was pretty much me talking stats, but I just kind of wanted to you know, talk about the players that had been promoted and, you know, where they could be, you know, going. So we're going to take a quick break here and then come back with an even quicker beer review. A pitcher of beer, a pitcher of beer, let's order another pitcher of beer. That pitcher of beer should come over here, I love that pitcher of beer. All right, guys, we got to keep this. Uh, we're 30 minutes a buck, so even on the minor league side, I went a little bit long there, but I have I have three beers here from Narragansett, Narragansett Brewing, and that is in Rhode Island. And I've noticed that a lot of the the breweries are doing the three beer mix pack as opposed to the normal four. So I've thrown another one in here for you. One of my buddies went on vacation, stopped at a brewery on his way back home uh, with his family, and and got me a beer that I'd had before. Um, but hadn't had in a while. But from Narragansett, we've got the Fresh Catch. It's a refreshing golden ale, dry hopped with citra, and it's coming in at about 4.2%. I definitely was good. Not one of my favorite beers that I've ever had, but I'm going to bring that one at a 375, weighted based on batting average, uh, bringing that down to about a 325. The next one I thought was going to be my favorite um, out of this, and it's the Town Beach day pass ipa and it's one of those like lighter ipas comes in at 4.7 i'm gonna give that one a 375 as well bringing that down to 325 the one that i thought was probably gonna be my least favorite is the summer crusher and that's one of those almost like fruity wheat beers um but it was my favorite. Uh, I give that one a 400, bringing it down to a 350. And the last one, like I said, uh, my buddy stopped with his family and got me the Seneca Indian Pale Ale from Mountain State Brewing Company. Uh, I've been to the one in Morgantown. I was the one that's like near Deep Creek. Uh, good food, good brewery. Given this one at 425, bringing it down to 375. And going to get out of here, guys. But before I go, as always, let's go Indians. Let's go Curve. Let's go Hoppers. Let's go Marauders. Let's go FCL Pirates. And let's go DSL Pirates. <laughs> <laughs>